Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Beyond organic sleep. Marinero, the sick podcast, following a very dramatic, once again, overtime ending. This time in game six at the Bell Center, the Montreal Canadiens again avoid elimination after 21-year-old Nick Suzuki was the hero in game five. 20-year-old Jesperi Kakanyemi was the hero in game six. The Canadians, who led at one point by a score of two to nothing, saw Toronto come back in the third period to tie it at two. And Jesperi Kakanyemi scores in overtime. The Canadians win by a score of three to two. And joining me today on the Sick Podcast, which you can listen on all social media platforms and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Sick Podcast, is from Habs Eyes on the Prize, Andrew Zetternowski. How you doing, bud? I am doing great. That was a fantastic, fun game. And let me start off by saying it was great seeing fans in the Bell Center. My my goal for this series was for the Habs just to make it to game six, just so we can see the fans kind of bookend this weird season. But now after seeing that game six effort, I believe in game seven. And the SIG podcast is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Go to myessentia.com slash SIGPOD and see why Essentia is the mattress of choice for many athletes, including over 25% of professional hockey players. Use code SIGPOD for a free pillow with your purchase. Essentia, beyond organic sleep. All right. Speaking of sleep, it looked like the Canadians who got out to a 2-0 lead at one point had put the Toronto Maple Leafs to sleep. But what ended up happening instead, Andrew... It's the Canadians who took the pedal off the metal, and it looked like they were sleeping. And within a couple of minutes, Toronto scores two goals, both of which redirected off of Jeff Petrie. First one was Jason Spezza, and the second one was TJ Brody, and the Canadians saw their 2-0 lead evaporate. It came so close to being 3 nothing. We remember that save that Jack Campbell made, uh, that toe save he made on that third power play. That could have really sealed the deal for the Montreal Canadiens, but it was a great save by Jack Campbell, who did play an incredible game, and Toronto did manage to go back. Jack Campbell got the benefit of the doubt from the ref, got a quick whistle right after the play started. Toronto scores that first goal. Um, then that second goal, that tying goal, that kind of could have broken the back of the Montreal Canadiens. If you remember, they had a three-on-two play going into the Toronto zone, and Eric Stahl just kind of dumped it in. He just did a dunk, like almost like a dump and chase on a three on two, which is an un- unusual choice of play, if you ask me. Uh, and Toronto goes right back the other way and scores a goal, both unfortunately off of Jeff Petrie. I'd hate to see him get any shouldered with any sort of blame, but uh, it could have gone very poorly for Montreal, who had the momentum and then lost it in a matter of minutes. All right, let's backtrack a second here, actually, if we can. It was uh, a goalie battle, really, between Carey Price and Jack Campbell. And, uh, you know, it was uh, 0-0 after one. They get to the second period. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, the Canadians are, they're, 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 they're looking to score there. They're looking to score. And the goal comes on a power play. And, and the way it happens is, is that uh, Cole Caulfield tries to get a shot on net. There's a couple of guys that are actually going to the net. Tyler Toffoli 
and Corey Perry. The puck is loose. They're scrambling. Campbell can't get it. Toffoli skates into the crease, cross-checks a defenseman, tries to get to the puck. Campbell looks like he's down and out and doesn't try and get back. Corey Perry jams it into an empty net. The Toronto Maple Leafs challenge for the possible goalie interference from Toffoli on Campbell. And luckily for the Canadians, it was a good goal. How did you see it? Did you think it was goalie interference? Not at all, because I didn't see an ounce of effort from Jack Campbell to get try to get back into his crease to get back into position. If he just even attempted to slide back into the blue paint, it probably would have been goaltender interference because Tyler Toffoli was standing in such a position where Jack Campbell could not get back into his crease. But Jack Campbell didn't try to get up. He didn't try to reposition himself. He made no effort to rep- to get back in his net. And, be- and because of that, I think that goal was good. All right. So the uh, they go to the uh, coach's challenge, of course. The goal stands. And because of that, the Toronto Maple Leafs take a penalty. So the Canadians go back on the power play. And Mitch Marner tries to dump the puck out of the zone. He actually flips it up in the air. It goes over the glass. And now it's a five-on-three power play. And the Canadians are looking for that goal to make it 2 nothing. which the way Carey Price was playing, you would have thought would have been the nail in the coffin at that point. And Tyler Toffoli uh, finally is able to, to score a big goal. What was he, 0 for his last nine, Andrew? It's been a while. I, I, it's, it's been, yeah, I think the, they said the longest drought for him this season. It was nine games without a goal. So for someone who scored over 30 goals in the regular season, that is a long, long time for him to go dry. And then, uh, you know, what does Dominic Ducharme do at that point? He's playing the score, and he's trusting his veterans more than he's trusting his young players. When you talked about Eric Stahl dumping it in on that three-on-two, he took Jesperi Kokkinemi's shift. Um, there was the other goal where Caulfield wasn't on the ice, and Armia was on the ice. So on both goals, two of the Canadians' youngsters, Caulfield in one situation, Kotkaniemi in the other, were actually on the bench in favor of Armia on one and Eric Stahl on the second one. So the coach trusting his veterans, but it didn't work out in those situations. It did not. Thankfully, you know, one thing they did do well, and on that second power play where they scored the second goal, is... Uh, they they faked out the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs were expecting the Habs to go to the point for a Weber shot. And that's what Montreal was doing earlier in the power play. Um, when they, it looked like they were going to do it again, Toronto adjusted to block that shot. And instead, it was a short pass to Tyler Toffoli to score that uh, that goal that just squeaked back uh, past Jack Campbell. So, yeah, you know what? Trusting the veterans is, is I think, normal in hockey. And I think we're going to start seeing plays get away from the traditional uh, three, three, three forwards line combinations and more into kind of a rotating uh, rotating staff where you see players kind of better paired against certain elements on the ice. Um, that that Dominic Ducharme trusts his veterans more. I think it's normal, except, except it's normal, except I think in this series we've seen that the younger players are actually the best players on the ice. So there's, you know, there's a lot of elements in this series that kind of show that um, we have a new generation of Montreal Canadiens players that are ready to take over the team. A shout-out to Excellent Photo, centrally located close to downtown shopping and university ships to all of Canada professional staff at the store and online to help you choose the gear that you really need. All right. Um, you know, a shout-out, of course, to uh, to Carey Price, who tonight stopped 
41 of Toronto's 43 shots. Also a shout out, I would say, to Shea Weber, who's battling out there. I mean, he logged a ton of ice time in tonight's game. So did Sherratt, so did Petrie, so did Joel Edmondson. Andrew, the Canadians basically went to 4D because Dominic Ducharme didn't trust Eric Gustafsson or Brett Kulak all that much. Neither of them got seven minutes. Yeah, it's it's an interesting decision to make. But when, you're, when it's an elimination game, when everything's on the line, you do play your best players. And I think for Montreal, it's obvious that you have your top four and then you have your rest. Um, and for the third pair to sit, I think it's normal. Um, yes, the defensive core did look tired, but a tired Weber is probably better than an Eric Gustafsson. Uh, a a t- tired Jeff Petrie is probably better than a Brett Kulak somewhat. It could be argued. Uh, in, in essence, I think they went with the elements that would help them win. And we can't really argue the point that they didn't. So <laughs> here we are. If uh, you still wondered whether or not Thomas Tatar would be offered a deal to come back by the Montreal Canadiens, I think tonight's um, healthy scratch for him, which I believe was his sixth this season, uh, including the playoffs, I think that's, um, you know, um, the nail in the coffin for him. I mean, let's let's face it here. Thomas Tatar, a healthy scratch. Jake Evans comes in for him. Jake Evans playing the left side on a line with Philip Deneau at center and Brendan Gallagher on the right side. Basically shut down responsibilities given to them going up against the line of Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and Zach Hyman. Uh, doesn't look good for Tatar coming back, does it? I don't think there was ever really that much debate as to whether he would come back or not. I think he he deserves a higher contract than Montreal is willing to offer him, uh, and, and he will test the market. I do understand the logic behind inserting a Jake Evans, who's proven to be uh, an excellent uh, resource on the fourth line for defensive responsibilities on a line that's focused entirely on shutting down uh, two of the best players in the league. Uh, I think it was actually a sound strategic decision by Dominic Ducharme to compose a line of entirely defensive responsible players against the top line. And Tatar just didn't fit that mold of of what he was trying to accomplish there. Once again, uh, that line did their job. Uh, Matthews had very little looks. He had very little chances. I mean, he's still the best player in the world. And when he has the puck, you notice him for sure. But um, I would say that that line did an excellent job shutting them down and making sure that uh, that top line for Toronto was neutralized. Well, I'm going to respectfully beg to differ and tell you he's not the best player in the world because Connor McDavid is and Nathan McKinnon is number two. But definitely, listen, Austin Matthews is top five on everyone's list. There's no doubt about it. But getting back to Jake Evans, he also gives you, um, you know, what he does. He's a versatile player. He can play the penalty kill. He can play the wing, can play center. Philip Deneau gets thrown under the circle. All of a sudden, you can put in a guy like Jake Evans who can take faceoffs. So he brings a lot to the table. Now, he's not perfect. He's still young. He did mm-hmm. make mistakes like tonight on one occasion. I think twice he tried to clear the zone. They were in the defensive zone. He wasn't able to get it out. Toronto had Montreal hemmed in their zone and some defensemen were out there for a very, very long shift. He's not perfect, but he brings a lot of energy to the team. And Andrew, one thing that he does really well, he's in on the forecheck. Mm-hmm. And Montreal depend they, they need to get better at that forecheck. Um, they play a lot of dump and chase and the dump and chase requires someone to follow that play in. Um, it, it's important for them to have an active presence. Jake Evans is a player who can rush in, who can challenge along the boards. I saw a lot of Montreal players get 
absolutely just smoked along the boards today, offering very little competition to Toronto in that regard. Jake Evans is one of those guys who can actually uh, put up a fight against the boards, get a little handily with players, if you will, and 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 get a little scrummy. And uh, I like what Jake Evans brings to this team. I think he's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he belongs on this team. Uh, and going into next year, I think he's got a spot on the team. I don't think Montreal has to worry about getting a veteran uh, fourth-line center because I, ha- I think they have a player, a proper positional NHL player, uh, in Jake Evans for the team. And it's and it's incredible, it's given that he's a seventh-round draft pick. Yeah. You didn't really expect much from him, but he's definitely gone above and beyond. It's the Sick Podcast, and once again, you can listen to us on all social media platforms, and the show is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. All right. <clears throat> Pardon me. But uh, the, uh, the curfew was lifted in the province of Quebec on Friday, so that meant that 2,500 fans uh, were in the stands for the game at the Bell Centre. And of those 2,500, I would say that probably a couple of hundred were Toronto Maple Leaf fans. You saw them wearing the jerseys. You saw most of the building with Montreal Canadiens jerseys. So if you want to get some of your hoodies to some of your favorite teams, I tell you that if you go to sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and more, use code SICK15 for 15% off on all of their items. All right, okay, so now uh, let's talk about Jake Muzzin who left the game with a couple of minutes left in period number two for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It looked like he was favoring his groin. Andrew, if he's not good to go in game seven, that's a huge loss for the Maple Leafs. It is. He's one of their key secondary guys. Uh, and really, honestly, but there's a lot of players playing injured. An injury of a, a if a player can't go, you know it's a serious injury. If Jake Mezen can't go for Toronto, that puts a little bit of an advantage for Montreal. But Montreal is also dealing with a lot of injured players on their roster as well. If you look at guys like um, Tyler Toffoli, you know, he, he left the period early as well and needed some repairs. Josh Anderson's definitely playing with something. Uh, Brendan Gallagher's not 100%. Shea Weber's not 100%. So there's a lot of guys on the Montreal side as well that are dealing with with injuries. Uh, if, if should Jake Muzzin go down for Toronto, not be available for game seven, that just puts a little bit more pressure on those uh, Maple Leafs players, puts a little bit more urgency in their play and maybe kind of shifts the balance of the, of the, of the momentum towards Montreal headed into game seven. Andrew, the Canadians got off to a great start. They, they, they pushed the pace in period number one. They hit Toronto every chance they had. They were trying to wear them down. The shots were 15 to nine. I thought it was a great period for Jack Campbell, who made some huge stops. The second period, which has been the Montreal Canadiens' Achilles heel, the shots on goal were actually 6-6, so shots were down in that period. Canadians had themselves a pretty good period. In the third period, Toronto really started to come on. And this, you know, with the Canadians holding that 2 nothing lead, we've seen this before, Andrew. You know, instead of teams just playing the same way they were playing to give themselves that lead, they play with the clock and they dump the puck and they try and make safe plays. And all of a sudden, it's kind of like a prevent defense mode. And the shots on goal were 15 to 8. Now, a lot of people thought Toronto had the momentum going into the overtime because, of course, they scored two quick goals to tie it up. But the other night in game five, you know, the, the Canadians, you didn't think that they had the momentum. And yet, they scored early in overtime to win the game. But tonight in overtime, the Toronto Maple Leafs were pinning the Montreal Canadiens into their zone. The Canadians couldn't get out. The, the long line, the long shifts for Weber and Sherratt, they look worn down. We know that they were surtaxed tonight. 
it looked like it was a matter of time that Toronto was going to score the game-winning goal. But in overtime, Andrew, we saw from Carey Price what Patrick Roy did in 1986, and that was stand on his head, especially in overtime. He was dialed in. His technique was absolutely flawless. He looked like that franchise player that they thought he was going to be or thought he was when they gave him that eight-year, $84 million contract. I remember early Carey Price uh, when he first started in NHL. It was a cool, calm, collected goaltender who minimized his movements as much as possible. It seemed like he just always seemed to be in the right place at the right time, making the right play. Uh, throughout Carey Price's career, obviously he's been with Montreal for a long time now. We've seen the ups and the downs, and we've, you know, we've 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 felt the doubts. We've kind of wondered was that contract, you know, going to be Montreal's albatross or not? Yeah. Um, you know, even the season it was kind of questionable at times. But uh, what we're seeing from Carey Price, many times it was questionable. Like I, I said this before the series, uh, Andrew, because they were playing three games in four nights on a couple of occasions. Mm -hmm. I thought at that point, because, of course, they had played on the Saturday, then they played on the Monday and the Tuesday. When was the last time prior to this playoff series that Carey Price had played back-to-back and Carey Price had played all three and four nights? I was was convinced that we were going to see Jake Allen, not to mention that both goalies in the regular season, their stats were extremely similar. And at times, Jake Allen in the regular season looked like a better goalie than Carey Price. I thought we were going to see both. You know what? It turned out to be the good decision that we didn't because playoff price has been fantastic. And just incredible. And and to finish off my point, Price is playing right now the way he played early on in his career where he was absolutely dominant and looked like nothing was getting to him. Uh, That's what we've seen tonight, especially in overtime, flashing the gloves several times, not in a flashy windmill kind of way, but just here, I caught it. Next, you know, blow the whistle. It, it just it seemed like he was just calm, relaxed, and you can see the team kind of relaxing with him. So even with Toronto keeping Montreal in their zone, hemming them in, uh, circling the puck, getting yeah. that rotation going, Price would just catch the puck and tell the guys, okay, let's let's do this again. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. And this rope-a-dope worked. He is Andrew Zedernowski of Habs Eyes on the Prize. I'm Marinero, the Sick Podcast. Okay, speaking of the rope-a-dope, I had no idea like what this strategy was in overtime. They seemed content to actually just try and clear the zone, to dump it in. I don't know how many times they actually iced the puck. They lost key faceoffs in overtime. It looked like they didn't have a solid scoring chance in overtime when it looked like Toronto had a ton. Now, I remind you, the shots on goal in overtime were 13-2 to in favor of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Andrew, I said to myself, the only way that Montreal is going to score a goal is going to come off of a mistake, a lethal mistake, and not off of an offensive play generated by the Canadians. And the mistake happened when Paul Byron put pressure on Travis Dermott, who was in the lineup for a second game this series, replacing Sandine, the youngster, the 21-year-old. And Byron picks up the puck. He feeds Jesperi Kakanyemi, who had just jumped over the boards. Kakanyemi picks up the puck. A quick wrist shot. We know he's got a good one. It deflects off of Bogosian, and it flutters into the top of the net. And it was one of those nights where a lot of goals went in off of players' skates or, or knees or legs or whatever it was. And this one here, that's how the game ended. 
Sometimes you just got to put it on net and see what happens. And that's what we've got in overtime. Montreal, you know, a lot of people were saying it's a matter of time. Like Toronto's putting on too much pressure, too much pressure. The Montreal defense looks tired. Uh, and sure enough, they're just playing. They're leaning back, making sure not to make any mistakes and capitalize on that one mistake. All it takes is one shot in overtime. And uh, well, Montreal had two, but really only one that counted. All right. Okay. So now it uh, leads me to my next question. And that is if you would go and place your bets on my bookie, you can go to mybookie.ag slash the sick podcast and use code sick picks for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Game seven, Montreal at Toronto. The Canadians have erased a three games to one deficit. They've tied it at three. I, I think it's safe to say that John Tavares will not be back, correct? It's the playoffs. You never know with these hockey players and their Im- immense pain thresholds. But with concussions, you probably don't want to rush it. Let's say John Tavares is out for Game 7. And let's say Jake Muzzin is out for Game 7. Because those groin injuries are not easy to come back from either. I have to ask you, if you would put a few dollars at mybookie.ag, who do you have winning Game 7 Monday night in Toronto? Right now, at this point, with all the momentum behind Montreal coming back from a 3-1 series, uh, losing in the series 3-1 to tie it up at 3, I'm putting my money down on Montreal just so I can tell Toronto fans that it was 3-1. And for Montreal Canadiens fans, once you were down 3-1, we told you, don't stop believing. Don't stop believing. There you go. 43 to 31, the shots on goal in favor of the Toronto Maple Leafs in game six. It didn't matter. Carey Price stops 41. The Montreal Canadiens get goals from Corey Perry, Tyler Toffoli, and the game winner in overtime by Jesperi Kakanyemi, Andrew Zaranowski, Habs eyes on the prize. We're going to game seven. Enjoy it on Monday night. It's the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinero. You can listen to us on all social media platforms. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Sick Podcast. See you, Andrew. Take care, Tony. Cheers, bud. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Essentia. The world's only natural memory foam mattress. Beyond Organic Sleep.